Section one of the Mystery of the Ocean Star. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Leila Young. The Mystery of the Ocean Star by W. Clark Russell. Section one The Mystery of the Ocean Star on the twenty second of august in the year eighteen seventy seven a steamer named the guide of about twelve hundred tons burden was in latitude twelve degrees north and in longitude thirty one degrees west the weather during the last twenty-four hours had been curious the northeast trade wind had two days earlier fined down into faint draught and then for a spell all the breeze that the vessel found she made for herself there was a long swell from the westward which came along in slopes of liquid violet so polished that the glory of the sunshine slipped from one deeply dark blue brow to another as though indeed it were a substantial gushing of fiery gold sliding over the heads of rolling hills of glass the oddness of the weather lay in peculiar appearances of snow-white vapour low down upon the sea the atmosphere was brilliantly clear the sky a hard pale blue brightening into the needle-like scintillations of new tin as it swept out of the bald dressy dye round about the sun to the sheer white dazzle of the luminary and where the line of the horizon was visible the rim of the waving circle was as sharp and defined as tinted crystal against the airy softness of the heavens nevertheless these fog beings hung about the deep in many directions some curved like great pinions some in rows low-lying like to the english channel in the hush of a summer's day some like vast sheets of sateen shot with the lustrous colorings you notice in cobwebs or the inside of oyster shells whenever the steamer swept into one of them her quarter-deck and the white boats amidships and the glass of her skylights and all the brass work about her abaft her funnel would be in splendor whilst forward she had disappeared as completely as if she had been sawn in twain then perhaps for the space of twenty minutes she would be in a sort of eclipse a deeper silence upon the white air as though the steam-like smother held a stillness of its own her forecastle scarce visible from the bridge the smoke from her funnel following like a shadow of thunder cloud in the glistening void and regularly as she drove into these spacious seemingly motionless bodies the blasts of her steam horn fled ahead like yells startled out of her sentience by terror of the swift transformations of the splendor of the tropical day into the moon-like blindness of the fog for certainly it was impossible to know but that in one or another of the banks the ship lay stagnated and though the engines were never slowed the ears upon the bridge were held strained until the steamer had leaped on a sudden out of the white twilight into the golden day again it was about eleven o'clock in the forenoon the whole length of the guide had barely steamed out clear from one of the largest of the low clouds when the chief officer sighted a sail four points on the port bow she lay some five miles distant in a wide and shining channel betwixt two great bodies of vapour and resembled a piece of ivory work in the searching light the mate directed the captain's attention to her yes sir and i hope if there are others about they'll be as easy to see he brought a glass from the chart house and levelled it he worked away for some time without speaking and then handing the telescope to the chief mate he said mr williams there's something wrong with that vessel indeed it scarcely needed a sailor's eye to suspect something amiss 
she was a small bark apparently between three hundred and fifty and four hundred tons she had a main skysail mast and all her spars were aloft and everything right in that way but the appearance of her canvas suggested disorder and confusion hilliard's fore and aft seemed to have been let go on a sudden and nothing else done upper topsail topgallant and short all yards which travelled were down but no sail was clewed up the foresail the lower topsails mainsail and spanker were set the staysails and jibs most of them lay half up and down the stays they belonged to the yards were braced forward on the starboard tack these features the glass rendered easily distinguishable now what on earth can that model signify exclaimed the captain with his face full of curiosity you'd imagine there was a heavy squall coming down upon her that her skipper had sung out to let go everything and that the crew after doing so had gone to dinner see anything like a color flying mr williams the mate looked and answered no appears to me like a mutiny sir he continued or if it isn't that then it'll be sickness i'll chuck a block of green coffee perhaps and the folks full of fever or suppose we call it blindness sir i've heard of such a thing as a whole ship's company losing their sight well let's go and have a look at her said the captain no use speculating on the object to see if there had been a little more shifting of courses there'd be few marine wonders i'll allow he spoke to the helmsman and the steamer's head was put for the bark she was rolling to the run of a swell and the swinging of the canvas flung a hurry of shadowing over her the quiet vaporous shapes on either hand like islands clad in mist with the wide dark blue channel between them upon which the fabric made dainty by distance swayed the silver buttons of her trucks and a delicate limbing as you might have thought of the azure canvas above made the picture a fine one the heave of the water was without a wrinkle and the eye saw the whole circumference of the horizon in vain for the blur of a cat's fall as she was approached points which distance had subdued or hidden stole out upon the naked sight such as that she was painted green with a narrow white band running the length of her that she had a white figurehead and an elliptical stern after the mould of the aberdeen clippers that she was metalled high with new sheathing which to each sway of the swell flashed out a wet coppery light that was like the momentary glance of a beam of the setting sun upon the translucency under the bends there's nothing wanting in her that i can see said the captain talking with his eye the glass mess at those yards and trim them and she'd be as pretty a little ship as i ever looked like seen what can be her people's object in leaving her in that condition certainly not a rope's been touched since i've been looking at her he continued inspecting her then handing the glass to the maid he said isn't there smoke coming out of her galley chimney my sight's not what it was mr williams peered and said yes there's smoke right enough her galley fire is all light she's not deserted yet i don't see the least sign of any living being aboard either never so much as a man's head sir very odd to be sure she seems to have all her boats said the captain i can't be certain answered the mate looks to me as if her starboard davits were empty but her spanker's in the road up my sight they fell silent the steamer's engines were slowed and she floated leisurely down upon the bark and when within easy hail she was stopped 
the derelict if such she were was a very visible object now her wheel standing nakedly revolved to right or left with the swaying of the rudder to the blows of the swell an element of solemnity was imparted the flapping noses of the canvas and the grinding and creaking sounds breaking from the hull and structure aloft by the striking of a bell at intervals sufficiently measured to render the notes funereal in their way all hands aboard the steamer leaned over the rail gazing at the bark and you marked the working of soft superstitious instincts and more than one mahogany countenance as a vibratory chime of the hidden bell aboard the tenantless vessel drove thinly musical through the still atmosphere it'll be the rolling that keeps the bell going said the captain but it's a sound to make a man clammy put both hands hollowed his mouth and roared out in a hurricane note bark ahoy there was no response every eye searched each fathom of the vessel's length but nothing stirred save the shadows that which filled everybody with wonder was that there should be smoke filtering from the galley chimney proving the galley fire to be alight and yet nobody to show himself if she is abandoned sir said the mate her people can't have been long gone yonder smoke proves that they ought to be within sight he sent a long look around unless he added they're buried in one of those banks by this time the steamer had insensibly glided forwards so as to open the starboard side of the bark and it was then seen as the mate had said that one of her boats was gone the davits were slewed out and the falls overhauled to the water's edge with the blocks dipping to the roll of the vessel her name was also visible written in bold letters on her stern ocean star better go bird and see what's the matter mr williams said the captain it is some wind don't come along and blow those clouds away the crew may be hidden in one of them as you say but that's an unintelligible job if ever there was one Hold out on your nerves, tackle, sir. There may be an ugly sight to greet ye. A boat was got over, and four men rowed the chief officer to the bark. The men tugging at the oars were instantly looking past their shoulders. So confounded were they by the sight of the smoke going straight up out of the galley chimney, and by the absence of life which the spectacle of the smoke accentuated to their dull, unluttered understandings as if in truth the vessel were manned by viewless mariners who watched their approach phantom-like from the bulwark rail in oars a boat-hook cleverly caught a mizzen channel plate and in a trice mr williams followed by a couple of hands gained the deck the captain's hint had prepared the mate's mind and he gazed about him for something horrible there was nothing at all however in that way to be seen indeed there was no further confusion than ends of ropes lying about coils of hellers which had been lifted off the pins and thrown down and let go in a hurry and left to lie as much of them as remained when the yards were down she was a snug clean vessel decks of a good colour paintwork fresh brasswork bright flush fore and aft and the furniture such as the binnacles pumps capstan skylights companions and so forth excellent in their kind nothing wrong above board anyhow said the mate if there's anything in the creeping line it'll be below there were some cocks and hens in a coop forward gaping with thirst 
the mates dropped the dipper into the scuttle-butt and filled their trough and the creatures drank with extraordinary demonstrations of pious thanksgiving in their manner of looking aloft to let the water drain down there had been a pig under the long-boat but he was gone there was nothing alive but the cocks and hens the mate looked about him for the sounding red and finding it sounded the well and found the bark as free as a steamer was he made the tour of the deck followed by the men one of whom smothered the tongue of the bell with some yarns peering eagerly as he went never knowing but that the next step would bring him to a dead man in the wake of a mast or concealed by a bulwark stanchion and the gear about it but the decks were as free of the dead as the living he looked into the galley and found a good fire burning so good that both he and the others agreed that it must have been made up afresh within the time the guide had first sighted the vessel for the coals were spitting out gas flames and burned as fresh as coals do there was a large saucepan boiling on the fire and on lifting the lid and looking in they spied a fowl clumsily plucked the mate started and stared at the others there must be men aboard he cried you want no better proof than this if they made off at sight of us where's our boat they wouldn't have had the time to fetch the nearest of the spa banks now we must have seen them and why should they have wanted to make off what was there to frighten them overboard in the sighting of our steamer and upon it at their board below in hiding but great thunder what for will you search the ship said one of the men certainly stand by sir there may be some blooming rules in this business follow or stay as you please said the mate i have my orders with which he walked to the companion hatch and descended the steps the others followed mr williams was a stout-hearted man nevertheless he entered the cabin with extreme caution stepping very slowly with his eyes starting from his head thus seeing nothing to account for the mystery of this bark situation astonished and dismayed him more than he had encountered a terribly tragic solution of the riddle the cabin was a pleasant clean sunny apartment with a table midships locker stuffed with hair on either hand a handsome silver-plated lamp over the table a few hanging shelves with books and other such matters there were four small cabins abaft which the mate entered and in the sternmost one presumably the captain's he found besides chronometers a sextant a logbook charts and the like the ship's papers which proclaimed the vessel to be the ocean star of hull bound to rio with a general cargo he examined the log but the last entry was dated ten days before this was a circumstance to prodigiously increase mr williams's perplexment he inspected the other cabins and found them mere sleeping places each with its bunks and bedding and chest of clothes there was nobody here nothing living or dead though the two foremost cabins exhibited signs of having quite recently been occupied the mate accompanied by his two men went on deck again walked forward and entered the forecastle but they first looked down the scuttle and spied the light ha cried mr williams they are here then he put his head into the hatch and sang out below there no answer below there i say his voice sank dead into the gloom and no reply followed he hailed a third time anybody below there 
and obtaining no response lost his patience put his legs into the hatch and dropped the light was made by a slush lamp swinging under a blackened beam there were four hammocks stretched under the upper deck and a few bunks going into the bows you would have concluded that the crew had all turned in after eating for there was a mess kit upon the deck with the remains of a piece of beef in it here and there a pannikin stood upon a chest and the roving and perplexed eyes of the mate fastened upon a broken pipe bits of sea bread stray shoes and boots oil skins hanging by nails and other well-known items of the furniture of jack's ocean parlor he punched the hammocks there was nothing in them he examined the bunks they too were untenanted this beats all my going fishing exclaimed one of the men nothing's wanted but a flavio suffer to make me reckon that the devil's got charge here said the other put a light out one of you said the mate and they returned on deck and got into their boats well said the captain as mr williams stepped over the side well sir replied the mate i've thoroughly overhauled her and there's no one on board nothing alive but some cocks and hens she's the ocean star of hull and here he acquainted the captain with the contents of the ship's papers and she should be worth as she stands a tiny lump of money she's sound as a bell and as dry as the inside of a chimney and no hint to be found as to what's become of her people ne'er a hint sir barring those empty starboard davits i believe her crew had left her in that belt only what are you to make of the galley fire being alight a fowl cooking a saucepan on it actually boiling as it might be for a man's dinner and to complete the blessed wonder sir the forecastle slush light burning there must be somebody aboard exclaimed the captain fowls aren't such fools as to pluck and boil themselves no sir there's a man or men aboard and you've missed them they may have slipped into the lazarette or down the forward peak answered the mate i didn't look on so i can't say but as the hatches are on but the tarpaulins over them i'm willing to get all that i'm worth after searching as i did that there's no human being in that bark the steamer was brigantine rigged with a topgallant yard the captain calling to one of the men who was known to possess the best pair of eyes in the ship's company sent him aloft with a binocular glass with instructions to carefully search the sea in every quarter for any appearance of a boat by this time a small air was blowing out of the southeast with just enough of weight in it to deepen the shadow of the blue and to put a little curl upon the windward slopes of the swell here and there the fog banks had thinned and they were now all on their way stirring northwest so that if any one of them concealed a boat she was bound to draw out clear presently unless the crew rode that they might keep the vapor about them a ridiculous supposition but although the man on the steamer's topgallant yard swept the water with the intentness of a shipwrecked soul he remained mute the fact was there was nothing to see and after staying aloft ten minutes during which time everybody on deck stared his hardest too he cried out there's nothing in sight sir and came down well it's a blazing mystery certainly 
exclaimed the captain of the guide but you'll find i'm right there are people loafing somewhere aboard though why they shouldn't show themselves let him tell us who can find out but let that be as it will it won't do to let that fine vessel knock about here and perhaps go to the bottom in the next gale of wind he called the second officer a man named matthews onto the bridge will you take charge of that bark mr matthews and carry her to rio it isn't far off yes sir answered the second mate promptly you shall have three men can't spare more but they'll suffice considering what part of the ocean this is if you keep her under easy canvas i'll manage said mr matthews it's a job to tassel your pocket handkerchief with dollars and the main reports a big harness cask and two scuttle butts overhaul her four stores when you get aboard and let me know before we proceed aye aye sir i expect you'll find a man or two skulking there's a foul boiling and mr williams had to put the forecastle in bow this is the age of steam engines and and there's no witchcraft left so look for the people for whom that falls cooking they'll strengthen your crew muster the men mr williams and ask for volunteers whilst mr matthews gets his dust together this was done several men offered and three likely fellows were chosen one was a trimmer and the others sailors they were not perfectly happy in their minds but the seaman's love for change coupled with the prospect of salvage money was too strong for superstition in a few minutes they pitched their bags into the boat the second mate followed and a couple of the steamers men rowed them aboard the bark before touching a rope they went to work to search the ship they lifted the hatches and found the hold full of cargo the second mate as fearless a sailor as ever jockeyed a yardarm crawled about with a lantern but unearthed nothing mortal they searched the forepeak and afterwards the lazarette in which they met with abundance of stores beef pork peas flour lime juice rum and the like then having rummaged with the pertinacity of customs officers they went on deck grimy with sweat and dirt and the second mate hailed the steamer hello plenty of stores and fresh water sir right cargo almost flush with the main hatch sir right no signs of the crew anywhere we've crawled into every hole and there's nothing alive aboard the ocean star excepting ourselves and the chickens right shouted the captain for the third time he flourished a farewell with his arm the mate waved his hand and there was a graceful salutation of several sorts of caps over the rail forward the propeller revolved and the steamer gathered way and the slender crew of the ocean star were left to shift for themselves the light breeze hung steady and there floated up from alongside the laughing fountain-like music of rippling waters sweet to the ear as an ice-cold draught to the palate after the sickly silence of a long spell of tropical calm the men seized hold of the hillers and hoisted the yards one after another crowning the white and graceful superstructure by the tiny main sky sail that gleamed like a star under the blue a glance at the chart gave mr matthews his course 
and presently the bark with a little silver curl under either bow and the shadow of one sail lying in a dainty curve in the hollow of another and a flashing as of musketry breaking from the glass and breast upon her as she leaned with the swell to the sun was sliding quietly southwards with the steamer already toy-like in the distance and the fog banks lifting into the haze no one had thought of removing the saucepan in the galley and when they examined it they found the fowl boiled into the soup this they threw overboard nor had the fowl been dressed to a hair is it conceivable that their imaginations would have suffered them to put their lips to it the truth is the more they turned the matter over the more mystifying it grew that a handsome little bark in a good trim with plenty to eat and drink aboard her hold full of valuable cargo not a drop of water draining into her in the twenty-four hours that such a ship should be found abandoned floating about as if she were no better than a timber craft with her decks blown up and her covering board swash was strange enough to be sure but not so surprising as not to be fitted with some kind of yarn tolerably answerable to the circumstance but what was to be made of the mystery of a vessel that exhibited the most certain signs imaginable of human life being aboard and that was yet as tenantless as a newly dug grave there was a galley fire burning there had been the saucepan bubbling and the fowl boiling and the slush lamp in the forecastle flaming this meant very recent work the slush lamp to be sure might have been alight for some hours but the freshly fed appearance of the fire and the saucepan and the fowl signified that there must have been mortal hands at work quite lately undoubtedly within the time since the guide had first sighted the ocean star a boat was missing if the crew had gone away in her since the fire had been fed and the fowl had been put on to cook they could not in so short a period have rowed out of sight of the steamer's people where then were they had all hands jumped overboard on the smoke of the guide showing on the northern horizon but a theory of general suicide would still further bewilder the problem of the galley fire onto which coals must certainly have been shoveled some while after the steamer had hove into view one man stood at the wheel the other hung with the second mate near him and they argued speculated reasoned to no purpose they took the trouble to search the ship afresh after dinner with no other result than to positively confirm the assurance their earlier seeking had obtained for them that no living man but themselves was on board well sir said the trimmer addressing mr matthews as the three of them came together again at the wheel i don't profess to know book learning but i know the difference twixt the spirit and the porcupine and my notion's this since no man's hands made up that there fire and put the hand on the bile, somebody else must have done it. Who else? inquired the second mate. The fellow gazed at him stupidly for a minute, and then said, Well, a ghost. What's a ghost, Billy? asked one of the other men. Something you can't catch a hold of, nor be able to sit upon. If so, be as you was to get him down answered the trimmer defiantly no use reasoning there ain't no ghosts for scores i've been seen and spoke to besides if there weren't no ghosts there'd be no future the future is meant for the life them. denying of ghosts is the same as denying of salvation have ghosts got any stomachs 
demanded the second mate the trimmer reflected and said no they can't have no stomachs if they can't be walked through then what should a ghost go and cook a fowl for said the second mate the trimmer made no answer and the subject dropped long ere the dusk came the ocean had opened in blue radiance to the far sky the second mate went aloft with the bark's telescope to as high as the main royal yard but saw nothing the speed of the vessel was barely three miles an hour the breeze was languid and hot and the burning sun poised rayless and huge in the western quarter seemed to be drying up even this small movement of life in the atmosphere indeed when the darkness came it fell stark calm again the stars the fitful flashings of phosphorus in the water over the side the vast oceanic hush the soft winnowing sounds of canvas in the darkness on high like the stirring of hidden giant pinions were elements of the night scene to help whatever emotions superstition might have engendered and even the practical second mate felt the subduing influence of points which on any other occasion he would have had scarce an eye or a year for when his mind went to the mystery of this deserted bark the men flatly declined to use the forecastle saint said one of them that i'm like billy sir and believes in ghosts but until this here travers has been worked out i'd rather lay on deck them hammocks has an unpleasant look and the vessel being deserted who could have lighted the folks lamp they divided themselves into watches and used the cabin to lie in they broached a rum cask in the lazarette and made themselves a cheerful bowl and drank to their imaginations good moreover the second mate helped them yet by bidding them fix their minds on the money they were bound to take up when the salvage claim had been settled yet for all that they hung together two kept the deck whilst the others lay down and whilst one of the two on duty stood at the wheel the other kept close beside him the truth is none of them could feel certain that the ship was empty of all but themselves spite of their repeated search and this mere notion was enough to breathe uneasiness to render the movement of a shadow startling to keep their eyes travelling along the decks and up aloft what's awaiting me is this sir said the trimmer here's a job as may never be explained well i can't fit any sense to it for one answered mr matthews a single corpse would have made the matter intelligible but to find the galley fire burning the fowl cooking and the folks lamp alight with no one aboard and no boat in sight no there's nothing to be made of it by thinking it will have to be a riddle without an answer providing you don't search the supernatural first said the trimmer the second mate called a sea blessing upon the fool's head and fell a whistling for wind in the morning watch a light air came along right over the stern they squared the yards and the ocean star began to move again the sun rose and the day broke in glory the sea a surface of wrinkled sapphire the heavens lifting from pale blue at the horizon to violet at the zenith here and there a cloud shining like a windgill and a small breeze fiery the second mate glancing about him spied something white shine gleaming over the starboard bow he fetched the glass and looked it might have passed for some topmost sail of a ship hull down behind the sea line 
trembling in the swimming hot refraction that hove it up as a thing apart but the keen eye of the sailor knew better what he saw was not a ship's sail and without a word he mounted to the upper main topsail yard and there made out the object to be a boat with apparently a shirt or two lifted as a signal or a sail so weak was the wind that a long hour went by before the boat could be seen clearly with the eye but ere this the telescope had detected the presence of several men in her and the wet sparkle of oars and the disappearance of what had served for a sail showed them to be rowing towards the bark the second mate looked from the boat upon the water to the port quarter boat hanging gripped at the davits and exclaimed i'm a dutchman if those men there are not the bark's crew the others peered and agreed for both boats were alike white of a whaling pattern and a couple of black discs painted on the bows the bark was headed directly for the poor fellows and a man stood ready to heave a line to them the labored languid movement of the oars sufficiently marked their condition it was like the action of the antenna of some dying insect and more pathetic than a cry of suffering the boat approached the men pulled in their oars and fell to gesticulating making many piteous motions of entreaty and pointing to their mouths they want water exclaimed the mate breathlessly the coil of line was thrown one in the bows cut it with trembling hands and took a turn round athwart with it and then stumbled nor did he seem able to rise though he held to the line with the tenacity of a dying grip there were four of them and they were so weak that they had to be lifted over the side coleridge speaks of thirst making a man grin the torment in these poor creatures had wrought an uglier distortion of countenance even than the stimulation of mirth in anguish and their sole gasp was water as they sank down upon the hot deck with lips as white as planks and froth like sea foam oozing from the corners of their mouths it was some hours before any one of them was fit to tell the story of their disaster and then this was the substance of the relation of the oldest of the four who had rallied sooner than his mates their ship was the bark that mr matthews was now in charge of they had sailed from hull two months previously and whilst wind-bound in the downs two of the men sneaked ashore in a galley punt and ran away and the vessel put to sea short-handed to that extent three days after sailing the captain was found dead in his bed this was the first of a series of misfortunes before a fortnight had passed the chief mate was stricken with some kind of fever from which he never recovered though he continued to navigate the ship down to within twelve hours of his death this left eight men the carpenter acting as a second mate an uncertificate man took charge in the fifth week whilst reefing topsails a man fell from a loft struck his head and shortly afterwards expired another man not long after was disabled by slipping of the forecastle capstan and in less than a week his mates gave him the sailor's last toss over the side this left five men to carry on the ship's work the number would certainly have sufficed but three days before the guide sighted the bark the second mate who was hanging over the stern to get a view of the rudder fell the vessel was then going at some six or seven miles an hour and before the boat could be lowered the man was a long distance astern 
banks of vapour similar to those into which the guide had steamed had been moving before the breeze over the face of the waters throughout the day and therefore it was an act of singular indiscretion on the part of the crew to quit the bark they were chiefly urged however by the consideration that the second mate was the only man in the ship who could take a sight or work out the dead reckoning and that without him their plight would be desperate indeed they left a young ordinary seaman behind to bring the bark to the wind and rowed away to the direction where the second mate was swimming but soon after they had gone a fog bank rolled down on the vessel and the wind at the same moment freshened a trifle the weather thickened about them and being unable to see anything of the ocean star during the afternoon they lost her for good in the night such was the poor fellow's story and it explained much of the mystery of the abandoned bark the rest could only be conjectured but when the survivors of the original crew came to talk the matter over with mr matthews and his men they agreed among them that the ordinary seaman who had been left behind was in the vessel when the guide sighted her that he had put the fowl on to cook for his dinner that on the steamer heaving in view he heaped coals onto the galley fire with the idea perhaps of inviting assistance by such signal as smoke would make that he had lighted the forecastle lamp and left it burning and that the ill luck of the ship pursuing him he must have fallen overboard probably whilst springing onto the rail to watch the steamer if this was not so there is no other solution of the mystery of the ocean star and the trimmer was right end of section one recording by leila young